Hello, and welcome to the Sea Control Podcast. I'm Nathan Miller. Today, Alexia Buolaghi hosts Giovanni Cromanini of the European Union External Action Service. They discuss the latest update to the EU maritime security strategy. Brendan Costello edited and produced this episode. We currently have a call out for articles uh, for our new initiative, Notes to the New CNO. What do you want to tell the new Chief of Naval Operations in 500 words or less? If you would like to participate, submissions are due September 18. Finally, I want to take the opportunity to recommend our partners in the SimSec podcast network, The Bilge Pumps. You can find Alex, Jamie, Drack, and a pile of iron brew bottles wherever you download your podcasts. And with that, Kimber's Men. You're listening to Sea Control, hosted by the Center for International Maritime Hello, shipmates, and welcome back aboard Sea Control. Today, I'm joined by Giovanni Cremonini, the head of EU Maritime Security, and we are going to be discussing EU Maritime Security, its strategy, challenges, and perspectives. Sir Cremonini, welcome. Could you please first uh, introduce yourself to our audience and tell us more about your background, please? Yes. Yes, my name is Giovanni. I am a European Union official. So that's, uh, that's my job, and I've been doing this job for, I uh, was thinking about it the other day, 29 years. So it's uh, quite a long time. I've been with the European Union institutions. I started in the European Commission, and then I've been with the uh, European External Action Service since the very creation of this service in uh, 2011. So as, a, as an EU official, I, was, I always work in the field of uh, external relations. So I've been, in a way, uh, a diplomat for the European Union, and I've also been posted to diplomatic missions of the European Commission in uh, other countries. In particular, I have done a stint in Russia for five years and China for four years. And then I also dealt with the coordination of the European neighborhood policy with uh, lessons learned from uh, EU common security and defense policy missions and operations. I worked on the Indo-Pacific. I worked on uh, as a geographical desk on Armenia. And now, uh, since uh, about two years, I am the head of sector for maritime security in the Security and Defense Policy Directorate of the European External Action Service. Thanks a lot, Sir Cremonini, for these uh, explanations. So it will allow us to uh, dive more into the questions and more precisely. But first, I would like to remind that uh, all opinions are our own and not reflective of any institution with which we might otherwise be associated. To dig more into that, could you please talk to us about uh, your position and missions within the EEAS? Yes, I mean, as I, as I think I, the listeners probably heard me already explain that um, uh, I'm the head of uh, maritime security sector, that's uh, my position. And so what do I do as a head of uh, maritime security sector, have a small team, and we, we cover really the, the policy, the, the, the policy of the European Union on maritime security. Um, we have just, uh, in fact, prepared a, a joint communication on uh, the European Union maritime security strategy. Um, we, as you can imagine, we prepare briefings and speeches on where we explain the policy on maritime security. There's also a more uh, operational side because uh, I help prepare joint press releases for joint naval exercises. So we, we do 
joint naval exercises with partners using our EU naval operations. So that is also part of what I do. So the joint naval exercises. So they, uh, in, general, in general, what is what also is related to the policy, so we cover quite a lot, actually, going from uh, classical maritime security uh, operations to uh, protection of uh, also of, uh, we try to uh, do what we can to protect undersea physical infrastructure, cables, pipelines. It's a, it's a very broad uh, brief. I would add that, I mean, it's a, in fact, there are, I'm not uh, the only person dealing with maritime security in the in my service, the European Action Service. There are also colleagues who follow more operationally the, our um, missions and operations, uh, in particular, our naval operations uh, Atalanta and our naval operation Irini, one in the Indian Ocean and the other in the Mediterranean Sea. And I also have colleagues in the European Commission, which is also part of the European institution. The European Commission has a director general called Digimare, Digimare Time Affairs, where they deal also with maritime security from the, the point of view of uh, a link more linked to, to fisheries and then there's aspect related to transport. I mean, as, as I'm sure the listeners know, uh, maritime security is a very big field with many aspects, but I work very closely, in fact, with the European Commission and together we cover the overall policy uh, of maritime security for the European Union. Thanks a lot for these uh, broad explanations. It will allow us more to uh, understand your missions and the EU strategy. So on March 10th, uh, 2023, uh, the European Commission and the High Representative adopted, as you said, a joint communication on an enhanced EU maritime security strategy paired, as you mentioned, with an action plan that was updated. Could you please explain us the background behind this initiative and why this update happened? The member states of the European Union and the European Commission and the European Action Service agreed that we needed to take into account new developments, new threats and challenges after the adoption of the first EU maritime security strategy in 2014. There are new challenges in particular concerning cyber threats and hybrid threats. There also have been geopolitical developments in particular in, um, in the Indo-Pacific. So the world has changed, the threats have evolved and we felt that uh, we needed to reflect this in an update of uh, the European Union maritime security strategy. Now the the main principles have not changed. Of course, we still aim to ensure the security of the European Union of its citizens, the security of the sea lines of communication, and to uh, to address all threats. But of course, we have to, to take into account the changed circumstances. Certain threats are more acute, and also the way that we address them has to be adapted to the the changing threats. So the new the joint communication on the on the update of the maritime security strategy also lists some uh, specific strategic objectives and actions and uh, the strategic objectives that uh, have been identified are six the first is to step up activities at sea and here we have our naval operations we have uh, in general the, the presence uh, at sea also with the coordinated maritime presences of the european union we have also joint operations that are conducted by the European Border and Coast Guard Agency, Frontex. There, there are many activities, so we want to step these up. Second, we want to cooperate even more with partners, 
our partners across the world to promote the uh, rule of law at sea, what we call the rules-based order at sea, based on the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. And here we would like to continue with our joint naval exercises, for instance, and uh, with our dialogues and other activities that we sponsor. By the way, this I didn't mention, but one of the, the activities under my responsibility are the dialogues on maritime security that we have with partners such as India, for instance, regular EU-India dialogue on maritime security, and also other activities, workshops, for instance, in the framework of the ASEAN Regional Forum on Maritime Security, where the European Union is a member. The, um, the third strategic objective is that we want, as European Union, we want to, to lead on um, maritime domain awareness. This is a very important field for, for us, and we see that here the European Union can make a difference as a, a niche where we can provide value added, and we act both within the European Union with the exchange of information between member states on maritime security. Here we have a, a, a European Union initiative called the Common Information Sharing Environment, CISC, or CISE, for the interconnection of the maritime information systems of uh, the various EU member states that, uh, we, we should, that are linked together under this system, but also beyond the borders of the European Union, we want to help our partners be more aware, be better informed of uh, what is going on really in, at sea in their maritime space, which is the precondition for them to assert their sovereignty over their waters and to protect their, their waters. And I would like to mention in this context an important EU project, the Critical Maritime Routes in the Indo-Pacific Project, or CRIMARIO, that uh, concerns the whole of the Indo-Pacific, from the eastern coast of Africa, through India, uh, the Indian subcontinent, Southeast Asia, to all the way to the Pacific Islands. So, maritime domain awareness. Fourth strategic objective is uh, addressing the evolving threats and challenges. I mentioned cybersecurity, uh, critical, protecting critical infrastructure. Then uh, the fifth strategic objective is enhancing capabilities. We want the European Union and European Union member states to have the capabilities they need to face the threats, and here capabilities are ships, are systems, and are unmanned um, vehicles, unmanned underwater vehicles, for instance, we, we're thinking of uh, drone swarms and uh, measures to counter drone swarm attacks. This is the future, um, unmanned systems, and the European Union has very advanced technologies. We want to remain at the forefront of technology to be well-equipped to face threats to maritime security. And finally, the sixth objective is about uh, educating and training on uh, maritime security. That's great because we also talked about uh, a lot about Crimario and this whole uh, Indo-Pacific uh, commitment um, previously. So that uh, rings bells, I think, for the listeners. So according to you, you already touched a lot about it, but... The main takeaways, do you think that there are some major shifts in this strategy as compared to not updated one, or are we more in the continuity of the previous strategy that has updated? No, I think we're in continuity. Um, this is an update. The, the, the fundamental interests and the, fun, you know, the, the, the main parameters, I would say, have not really changed, but it's uh, being better targeted and coming up with, with actions to respond better in a more focused way 
to add also some specific actions. The 2014 strategy was perhaps more general. And now we were trying to be a bit more specific. So the, the, there are some, some new tools that we're developing, including, for instance, the, well, if you, if you, if you compare the two, for instance, you will find that uh, now there's a, also a mention of the Indo-Pacific, for instance, in 2014, that wasn't yet the case. Now the European Union has uh, its own Indo-Pacific strategy. And there's a commission, increased recognition of uh, the importance of cyber threats, for instance, compared to 2014 and, uh, and hybrid. That we have had, the, unfortunately, the uh, Russia's aggression against Ukraine uh, since. And so the world has changed also in this regard. This is reflected in the new joint communication. And we were trying to keep pace with the times, essentially, and uh, respond adequately to the evolving threats to maritime security. Having a stable framework as to what we want. The, the main objectives are the same, uh, respond to threats to preserve security. The main principles of the European Union have not changed. We still promote the rule of law. Uh, we still uh, believe in multilateralism and the primacy of the, of the United Nations Convention on Law of the Sea. These principles have not changed. We just apply them in a changing world. So now moving out to uh, the Gulf of Guinea. So I wanted to talk about that. So it has been an um, emblematic application of EU's doctrine of coordinated maritime presence. Could you talk about it? What has been learned since? How can it help us adapt and implement this scheme if other areas in other areas of interest? Yes, the, the coordinated maritime presences uh, concept is um, an innovative concept that uh, was launched in 2021 with the Gulf of Guinea, as you said correctly. And this is something that was peer-headed by the European Union. It's a new idea. It is not uh, a military operation with an EU command structure. It is a form of coordination between different EU member states. So uh, the coordination of ships that are present in a certain maritime area of interest these ships remain under national command, so there's no European Union chain of command, but the, uh, the countries participating in the coordinated maritime presences inform a maritime area of interest coordination cell in Brussels of the presence of their ships, and they exchange information about what uh, the ships see, uh, what the data that, they, the data that uh, they collect in a maritime area of interest, so that this data is shared with other EU member states and also increasingly with the, the coastal states. In uh, the Gulf of Guinea, we have the Yaoundé architecture for uh, maritime security. We have um, maritime information centers. So we work with the countries in the region. We want to work more and more with the countries in the region to, to empower them to control their own uh, coasts. So this is a very important element. In fact, uh, we want to build capacity. The, uh, the, the presence of the ships of the EU member states is also linked to capacity building, is used for capacity building activities, complemented by specific EU capacity building projects. For instance, we have uh, the um, GoGin project, the Gulf of Guinea Information Network project, that is about the, the sharing of uh, maritime information between the, the coastal states. And uh, we have also a, a tool similar to the, a tool called uh, Yaris, similar to the tool that the Climario project provides in the Indo-Pacific. Climario provides another tool called IORIS. It's a similar concept of an information platform for sharing maritime information 
that is that the European Union provides to the partners in uh, in the regions, uh, the region of the Gulf of Guinea or in the region of the Indo-Pacific. So this is the in conclusion. It's a uh, an innovative concept for the coordination of assets of EU member states and also the coordination of the activities of these assets with the EU capacity building programs that are managed by the European Commission. And all this works under the so-called EU integrated approach where we want to integrate all the tools at our disposal for the best and the greatest possible effect. Okay, very clear explanation and thanks a lot for that. So the EU advances itself as a normative setter who supports the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea and a rules-based order at sea. So in a context where we have all seen this increased geopolitical competition, this position is often challenged and compared, in fact, to this very increased militarization at sea. So what do you think about EU position Regarding to that, what is your assessment of the situation? Well, I, my assessment is that, uh, unfortunately, the, um, the international law is challenged. We see it uh, in several cases in the world. We see it uh, most blatantly now with the, the war now taking place in Ukraine. The territorial integrity of a country has been bluntly, blatantly violated. So it's in direct challenge of international law. We see also that in um, the South China Sea, there are challenges to international law. And here, the European Union, for the solving of disputes in accordance with the UN Convention for, on the Law of the Sea. So it's very important for us that, that there should be a primacy of international law and international UN conventions. We certainly do not uh, want the militarization. We use all, all uh, our tools, uh, in fact, to promote peace, peaceful resolution of disputes, uh, also to, to make sure that uh, there is a control of the maritime space by, by the countries that uh, have the legitimate sovereignty over these maritime spaces. That is the, also the rationale of our maritime domain awareness cooperation to ensure that the countries are aware of their maritime space and can uh, protect it against all threats. It's, of course, very in important uh, for the European Union that the sea lines of communication are, are safe uh, and secure. It's, uh, the European Union has, uh, has uh, also uh, trade interests, and uh, we, we want the sea lines of communication to, uh, to remain open. We want to ensure freedom of navigation. So this is really at the core of the interest of the European Union. We want a multilateral, multilateral order also at sea based on rules and the sea lines of communications to be open. And we do not, certainly do not want military conflict to interrupt the sea lines of communication and also to cause destruction, suffering and, uh, and upheaval in the world. So our, our vision is, is against that. And we believe that to avoid conflict, everybody should abide by rules. So, and the rules are set by the UN level, in particular in the case of the maritime space, by the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea, that should be really the overarching framework for uh, all activities at sea. Okay, it's very important here yeah, indeed to um, act upon these values and 
follow this uh, path that is very particular to the EU and that maybe also be its uh, strength. So to continue on a more challenging also question, so how can the EU find the balance between its uh, challenges in its nearby environment and shores and the far away seas where the intention has been uh, in the previous years the increased? Yes, I think uh, the, you know both are important. The um, challenges in the immediate neighborhood of the European Union and also the challenges further away. I mean, the, the, the world is increasingly interconnected. We say it's becoming smaller. It's, it's, it's a fact that it's in, interconnected. And certainly the changes in the immediate neighborhood of the European Union are, the, are more immediate. I mean, I mentioned already the challenge in uh, Ukraine. Certainly that is uh, really at our doorstep. We must tackle that. We must tackle maritime security challenges. But the, there's a maritime security challenge in the Black Sea. And, but there are also challenges in, in the Mediterranean. Those are certainly are uh, of uh, greatest concern. So we have those challenges that we pay attention to, we must pay attention to. In addition, we have, as I mentioned, also, for instance, very, very concrete interest in, in maritime trade. As you know, most of uh, global trade is uh, by sea. We're talking about 90% of the world trade by sea. This uh, uh, concerns the European Union. We need supplies that can be seen. We need uh, for our econo economic growth, for uh, everyday life of, of the people in the European Union. Some say no shipping, no shopping. It's uh, really important that we have uh, these trade links. And so we have to protect these uh, trade links is through sea, so maritime links. It is in the interest of the European Union. For instance, you know, we talk about the Indian Ocean. They're, they're very they're vital um, sea lines of communication, those are also in the interest of the European Union. So it, we must also help protect those links. And frankly, also beyond that, if um, there are conflicts far away from us, but in areas that are important for uh, the world uh, economy and also for the, by extension, for the European Union and areas where uh, a conflict would have catastrophic consequences. If it was a conflict uh, on mar in maritime spaces in the Indo-Pacific, this would be of direct interest to the European Union. It would uh, cause damage to everybody, including to the European Union. We want to avoid that. So we have a direct interest in peace, in uh, the security at sea, in our neighborhood, but also far away. And also the the principles of international maritime law apply everywhere. So we uphold those principles in, uh, in faraway places because they also apply near us. We have a, a global, I would say, vision. The European Union wants to be a global, we sometimes say a global security provider, which is very ambitious, but we really want to help to provide security across the globe because the European Union is a, is quite a, actually quite a large actor, quite a large market, a large economic actor with a, a significant interest. We want to uh, that to be reflected also in our in our action across the globe. What goes on really also very far away from us in the world has in fact a direct impact on the European Union, especially in places like the Indo-Pacific, which uh, where now the um, most of the economic growth in the world is uh, is concentrated. We will not ignore that. That also is in our interest as well as our neighborhood.
And then, so moving on to the challenges you listed previously and also linked to this protection of EU interests uh, around the world. So hybrid uh, threats and cybersecurity, this is an objective uh, you listed. So how does the EU intend to deal with these challenges and threats that are challenge our conventional way of thinking and making policies? So do you have some um, explanation, concrete examples or of strategy or policies uh, developed regarding to that? Well, in the EU maritime security strategy, joint communication, you will find some uh, proposals of uh, concrete actions. We're thinking of uh, practical exercises, exercises to, um, between EU member states to, uh, to tackle uh, hybrid uh, cyber threats. We're thinking of uh, mechanisms to, to share experience between the EU member states on cyber threats. So that's what we, we have in mind. Okay, so we'll check on that uh, for sure. So next question. So how uh, does the EU uh, intend to deal uh, with the partners and allies across uh, the globe regards to its maritime security? So do you have some examples of fruitful uh, regional cooperation that you would like to share with us? As I mentioned, strategic objective number two under the, the updated EU maritime security strategy is about cooperation with partners, so it's a very high priority for us. We are already cooperating. I mentioned we do joint naval exercises. By the way, we did, for instance, on the 24th of March, we did our first EU-US joint naval exercise. But I'd also like to give, as an example, our relationship with Japan in the Indo-Pacific and in the Indian Ocean. We have a very well-developed relationship with cooperation at sea around the Horn of Africa and the Arabian Sea. And we have, uh, we uh, specifically the EU Naval Force Atalanta, Operation Atalanta, has uh, signed uh, an administrative arrangement with Japan on the 15th of March. The uh, commander of Operation Atalanta went to Tokyo to sign an administrative arrangement on uh, naval cooperation, exchanging information, organizing exercises and uh, joint activities at sea. So we have a uh, a cooperation, not only dialogues, uh, we have uh, regular dialogues, specific dialogues on maritime security in the case of India, or discussions on maritime security in the framework of broader security and defense dialogues with many partners. But we have also practical cooperation. Of course, exercise is very important for interoperability with partners. In particular, we active in the uh, in the air operational operation Atalanta because that's where the European Union has, has ships that we can we can use concretely for uh, practical exercises. We have uh, multiple uh, multiple activities, exchange information, and uh, as well as practical activities at sea. We would like to continue. We would like to expand. Now we have bilateral exercises. Uh, we have started also doing trilateral exercises involving not just the European Union and one partner, but uh, two European Union and two partners. So that, I think, is, is something that would be worth developing, having also multilateral exercises. And it's certainly something that uh, we will pursue. Thank you for that. So I'd like to dive into the relationship between NATO and the EU. So uh, the coordination challenges between NATO and the EU are often put forth. What is your opinion on this relationship and which efforts can be implemented to reach uh, EU maritime ambitions and more and be more effective and work in synergy? Yes, with NATO, we have already a cooperation at the staff level, so the, the, the staff uh, the consultations on maritime security. 
NATO is present in the Eastern Mediterranean, uh, where the European Union is also present with its Frontex operation. So we definitely have uh, interest in coordination. There are coordination mechanisms in place at uh, the operational level already. We also talk about issues of common interest. For instance, uh, in the last staff talks with NATO that took place last month, we discussed possible cooperation on the uh, disposal of unexploded ammunition, unexploded ordnance at sea, which is a very practical problem, perhaps uh, starting with the Baltic Sea, but also in other seas. So we have uh, also in maritime security a dedicated cooperation. You know that we have also with dialogues in our security and defense issues uh, with NATO on, on various topics, but there is uh, also a specific sort of track on uh, maritime security. This is actually, it's, it's work, it's a, there we have a regular conversation with uh, NATO and regular discussions on cooperation on maritime security. So thank you for these uh, explanations. I would like to ask you a last question that is more uh, about your experience. So drawing from your experience in the maritime security sector at the EAS or beyond, is there any particular memorable moment that you are proud of or that you would like to share with us? Yeah, what I do, I particularly like the joint naval exercises. I think uh, I like sort of bringing this uh, about, making it happen. For instance, you know, I mentioned the, the first EU-US joint naval exercise. Last year, we had the first EU-Indonesia joint naval exercise. And of course, this is important for uh, as a, as a technical level, the operational level for the interoperability on the two sides, but also at the diplomatic level. It's uh, important because we agree joint press releases, and these are messages that are negotiated and agreed at the diplomatic level, sort of. These uh, joint press releases highlight the commonality of purpose between the two partners that we have. Uh, we join, we have, we share the same goals. We work together for maritime security, for freedom of navigation, to ensure the safe free sea lines of communication. And uh, this is a powerful message always. Then accompanied with images of the ships uh, exercising together, it's uh, I think it's a powerful and positive message to send to the world. I like that. Yeah, thank you. Also, I think uh, naval exercises are very ambitious and are very uh, representative of all the effort that can be put in cooperation and uh, interoperability uh, work. So, unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for today. Uh, I'd like to thank my guest, uh, Giovanni Cremonini. Sir Cremonini, where can we find you online and what are you working on next? Okay, well, online, of course, we have the... Um... The Twitter and social media handles of my service, the European External Action Service. You can find it on Twitter uh, at EAS. I also have my own personal Twitter handle at Cremo G, like Cremo like Cremonini and G like Giovanni, uh, where I also post about uh, my work, about the maritime naval exercises and other activities that, uh, that we do. And, and uh, as for uh, my next challenges, I'll be working still on the EU maritime security strategy because now we have adopted a joint communication, but this has to be uh, also discussed by the Council of the European Union. So the EU decision-making process is still ongoing. And one of the next things that I will do is uh, I will also participate in the European Maritime Days in Brest on the 23rd and 24th of May. 
there will be a panel on the EU as maritime security provider in the Gulf of Guinea and the Northwest Indian Ocean. Thanks. Good luck for that. And we'll uh, follow your activities and the ones of the EAS for sure. So thanks to our listeners. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Come on,